But what I do want to speak about this morning is um, it's quite an important topic. And I think if you, who does, who wants to see the anointing and the blessing and the freedom and the salvation of Christ and all of the kingdom come into our lives. Who wants to see that? Yes, now I've got everyone's attention, right? Because if you do, this is, I feel like you've got to listen carefully. This is key for you because there are principles in the kingdom of how we align ourselves in God's ways and brings blessing, right? And I want to maybe start with a scripture and then we're going to, I want to just use a picture to maybe illustrate that. And then I kind of want to jump to another scripture and we're going to have a look a little bit. It's going to get a little bit hard as I move through this, but I think the picture might help us a little bit. All right. So the first scripture is uh, Psalm 133. And we, oh, we all know the scripture, just verses 1 to 3. And it says this. The NIV says, How good and pleasant is it when brothers, or some versions say when God's people, live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there, is, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. It's a beautiful picture. You know that we often, we paraphrase that, we, we, we kind of say God commands a blessing where there's unity, or where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And this is his word to us, right? And I want to maybe illustrate this with a little picture. I'm kind of stealing it from Andrew. He used it a little while ago, but I want to maybe elaborate a little bit on it, because I do think there really is something on it for us. And uh, and then I'm going to tell you what I'm actually, what the title of my preacher is. So maybe, can I, Rich, can you come? As I think you're a good person to use in this context, because you do lead this congregation. So don't you want to come and stand maybe here? Rich is nice and tall, so I don't have to get him to stand on a chair. Just stand here with your back against there. Now, the dew, the dew or, or the anointing flowing down Aaron's beard, right? Jesus is actually a high priest now, right? Aaron was a picture of the high priest. It's actually, it's actually Jesus now. So Mark's got a nice beard. So let's, let's use you. You're going to be Jesus in this picture, all right? <laughs> Don't you want to come stand? I go to stand here because I need Mark to stand behind him, and not many people are taller than Richard. Go stand behind him on the stage. Now, <laughs> now, you don't want to use. Ethan, come join me. Maybe you're too tall, actually. No, come, it's fine. You just have to bend down. <laughs> go stand next to Richard. Now, as close as you can get. Make yourself a little bit lower. Oh, it's actually, you don't have to be left. Right? <laughs> now, this is the picture, right? This is the picture of actually the anointing begins to flow through Jesus. And there are principles and there's, a, there's governance in God's house. and There's structure in his house, right? There's leadership. It's a household. It's spoken about as a household in Scripture. There are fathers in his house. The Lord's put elders and deacons. And, but he's still made us one, right? But in this household, there's structure. And this is important to understand that how this actually works because we want the, we want to walk in the blessing, right? We want to walk in, in that freedom that God's got for us and all those great things. So as it begins to flow, this anointing oil, it'll flow, it'll begin to drip down his beard and onto his collar. This is actually his collar. And down the hems of his shirt and onto the, and onto, maybe onto, a little bit onto Ethan. But now here's the thing. Um, well, no, don't you want to go stand over there? Far away. <laughs> right? So if, if the anointing begins to flow here, 
and it's poured out on his head, and it splashes, and it covers these men. Is it going to? No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Should I do it? No, Jack. Is it going to reach him over there? Is he going to get any of it? He's not. He's not. Okay. But wait, not, you can't go yet. So what I want to entitle my preach this morning, and if you just remember this phrase, when you approach these decisions and when you approach these interactions in your life as we work through this, remember this phrase, closing the gap. That's the gap. And we want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about closing that gap because everything we do is either going to widen that gap or it's going to close that gap. Because God designed, okay guys, you can sit down, thank you, sorry. <laughs> and I used, I used them as a picture because Rich, in a sense, is the, he leads this congregation and it starts through leadership and it flows into the rest of the body. But there is something we do need to understand that and, I, and I've already said it, that everything we do sows either to the flesh or to the spirit. It says that in Galatians. It says the, the, the spirit and the flesh are at war with one another. They're warring against each other. So everything we do, it either is feeding into the flesh, which is, which is widening that gap, or it's feeding into the spirit, which is closing that gap. Okay? It's a, everything. We also actually need to understand that we have the ability to do and to widen or close that gap for other people too. And maybe I'll jump into that just now. But we do, things we say, things we do, we can help that gap close and we can see unity come. We can bring, we can push people together or we can see that thing widen. All right. So let's maybe, I want to, firstly I want to look at what unity is because it's unity that demands the blessing. That's the picture of unity. What is it? And how does it really look? And then how do we live in it? And I, there's, a, there's a portion of Scripture that I re- want to use and primarily jump into as Paul speaks to us very clearly in this, and he speaks very plainly in it. I'm going to kind of pull it apart a little bit and, and let the Word cut our hearts, actually. And then we, we need to take a step back, and we need to go, okay, are we, are we being like that? And if we're not being like that, we need to let the Holy Spirit bring conviction, and we need to respond in repentance towards the Lord and in response towards Him. So, right. So, I do want to say this maybe is, I think we often, we often think unity is like sitting around a table having a meal together or looking, or looking the same or a prayer meeting even together. That's not unity. You know that. That's just a prayer meeting together or all dressing, or looking the same, or it's sometimes relationship, it's maybe an aspect of unity, but that's not unity. It's not the unity that I see Paul describing in the Bible. It might be a small aspect of it, but it's way more than that, and way deeper than that. I used to be part of a pastor's fraternal um, down in the southern suburbs, and the guys used to get together, and they would like, they would pray together, and I'd be like, and they'd be like oh, there's such unity. And I'd look at this, and I was like, guys, there's no unity actually here. Like, we love each other, we like each other, but actually, our values are so different. We're not all sitting around a table, even theologically, at the same table. Like, there's not. We must not fool ourselves. Like, we've got relationship. I really do like you, and I love you. But there is not unity here. We want to find unity. We want to try and wrestle to get to that place. But it takes some. Sometimes takes work. A lot of people don't like that work. They don't want to get there. Right? So, this portion of scripture for me absolutely knocks it out the park when I see Paul addressing these things. 
And it's Philippians uh, 2 verses 1 to 8. And we're going to go through this, um, this scripture. It's the NIV version. I like it. I'm going to start reading from verse 1. Therefore, if any have... Wait. I'm going to read it from what I've got here. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And I just want to stop there for a second. The first thing he says is, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So we, do need, we need to understand, we, we look to Christ as their example, the perfect example for us, right? And he came to reconcile us to the Father. Because that picture that I showed you guys there, that gap, we all suffered that gap from God. That gap's called sin. And before Jesus, there was no hope to close that gap, actually. But because Jesus came, he was the perfect sacrifice for us. He's the one that closed that gap, actually. So Jesus came and closed that gap. He says, and says in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 to 19, says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them, and gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So now because Jesus did it, because he united us to the Father, and he reconciled us to God, he's given us actually the same message of reconciliation not only to God but also to one another right so that really in that portion of scripture I want to jump into what it looks like but first we have to realize that Jesus did it Jesus did we take our encouragement from that the very first portion of the scripture we take our encouragement from the fact that he did it and we and we we begin to take note of what he did and how he did right then Paul says then make my joy complete by being like-minded. So unity looks like this. Like-minded. Being like-minded. Having the same love. Being one in spirit and of one mind. In 1 Corinthians 1, it also tells us, uh, it would say same purpose, or same judgment, same conviction, some of, the con- um, some of the different translations say. But like-minded, what does it mean? And again, we look to Jesus, the perfect example, because he's referring, he's taking our encouragement from Jesus. So what did Jesus do? In the garden, we know in the story in Matthew, what does he do? He comes to the Father and he says, Father, can, can this cup pass me by? Can, can I, can I, do I have to go to the cross? He says, but let not my will be done, but yours. So Jesus' mind didn't want to go there. He, but he wrestled his mind because Jesus, he, was, he wrestled his mind into submission to the Father. And said, Father, not my will be done, but yours. And that, it's a hard saying that. Like if we translate that into us, into God's household and his structure, that, that's a hard saying. Sometimes when leadership says, we're going to do this. And we're like, ah. And like, what is... Paul's saying be like-minded. Wrestle your thoughts into submission that you're on the same page. 
how the world teaches us individuality, self, this, independence, all of these things. This is so contrary to the world's doctrine. This, the world is completely upside I mean, we talk about the kingdom being upside down kingdom. I think the world is upside down because God was here first. He created us. His kingdoms are right. We're, up, we're upside down. Right? He said, let the first be lost. That's so contradictory to our thinking. But God says, I want you to be like, through Paul, he says, I want you to be like-minded. So think the same. That takes a lot of work. Then he says, having the same love. Now, if you look at what Jesus' love was for us, what, what does John say? He says, no greater love is one than to lay down his love for a brother. Sorry, that's John 15. It says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one of his friends. So there's no greater love than that. That's the, that's the love that Jesus loved us with. Right? It's a, it's, a sacrifice, it's a selfless, sacrificial love. And if we are to find unity, we're to love one another with that type of love. <laughs> it's, it's wild because it's hard to, to die, right? We talk about dying, Jesus died in the flesh, but we've got to die daily to our desires and our fleshly desires for the sake of those and for the sake of unity sometimes. We've got to die to our, our own thinking sometimes. It's, it's just like you know that scripture when 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 um, Jesus decide, when Jesus is teaching his disciples and he said, "Unless you drink of my blood and eat of my body, you cannot have any part of me." And they go, "This is a hard saying. Like we we can't." Just, and most of them leave, and there are some of the disciples are left, and they say, "Where else do we go if we have the words of life?" Right? I feel like this is a hard saying because I don't know if I can do that. Okay, it's it is hard, but unless we do this. I don't know if we can have a part of him because this is his ways. This is it's gotta gotta give it some weight because this is the word of the Lord, right? So I want to say this without this type of love, it's impossible for us to be like minded. That love gives us the ability to be like minded. Then he goes on to say, being one in spirit. Now, being one in spirit, the same spirit in me, if you believe in Jesus or filled with the Holy Spirit, the same spirit in me is the same spirit in you, right? It's the spirit of God, the living God. And if the Holy Spirit is in me and he's in you, he bears fruit. He's good fruit. And this is the fruit of the flesh, which is bad fruit. And the bad fruit widens the gap. The good fruit closes the gap. And I actually want to just, I want to go through some of those things that are actually things that widen the gap because it might just give us a little, a few keys, even as I'm sharing, as I'm talking. Well, oh, well, hang on a second. Maybe maybe I need to adjust there. And, and, and again, this is work of the Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts because every single one of us can tweak in an area. At the end of this, I'm going, Lord, I fall short of this. Would you come and change my heart? Please. Because without the Spirit, that love that I was talking about is impossible. Right? So without, without the love, the like-mindedness is impossible. Without the Spirit, that type of love is impossible. Because to love like Him, we're not capable of it. It's His love in us, right? It's that sacrificial, selfless love. So those fruits that I was talking about, that this, 
the, the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, maybe just want to put those up. Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21. talks about the, 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 the fruits of the flesh, actually. I think, you're, I think it's lagging. I don't think it's not their fault. They've got all the scriptures. I think just the, the system. So I'm going to just read it here. Acts of the flesh are, and there's some obvious ones, but there's some that aren't as obvious as others. There's some real heart, deep heart um, motives that we've got to have a look at. First, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. You know, the Bible says, you know, if you hate your brother, it's like you murder. If you slander your brother, it's like you murdered him. But hatred, the willing, the, the unwillingness to be united together. Discord. Discord is actually disunity. It's a fruit of the flesh. Jealousy or envy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions, envy, these are all things that separate us, that make that gap bigger. And it, we've got to examine our own heart on these things. Factions, do we get together and go, oh, I don't know if I agree with what that person said. Actually, Andrew said something a little while We We just had an elders meeting. Uh, two weeks ago, he said something in one of the meetings, and I was thinking, uh, it actually hit me quite hard. He said, you know, if 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 leadership, or, or if we, we're in these meetings, we, I, we say something, and you leave that meeting, and you turn to your wife, and you go, I don't know, I think they missed it there. You actually become a faction. You actually, I know this is, this is a hard saying, I know. Oh, we do that, right? We get in the we get in the car, we drive home, we go, I don't know if he did that well there, or I don't know. And you, you guys don't do that, eh? <laughs> hey? That's not actually unity. Because in that moment I've sown a seed of possible dissension, disunity, and possibly poisoned my wife in that moment, actually. Instead of going, man. God moved today. Hey, we all make mistakes. Who cares? But God moved. I love the guys that God's put us with. I love the people of God. I want to move forward with them. That's closing the gap. In that moment, I can widen a gap for my wife and possibly leadership. I'm just using this example. Or I can close the gap between my wife and leadership. You understand what I'm saying? It's These are heavy. These are hard sayings. Selfish ambition. I love that because just a little bit later, Paul addresses that very thing. Whereas the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. Different spirit. How are we approaching these things? Again, I said it's so difficult because world has conditioned us to think a certain way. The world has conditioned us to be self-reliant, self-protective, self-defensive, self-right. It's self, 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 everything, right? So the next question would be how 
Do we dwell together in unity? And the very next verse answers that for us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Think about that. Value others above yourself. Do you approach or go into a situation thinking more highly or regarding the person that you're speaking to, whether they are in leadership or not, more highly than you? I, I don't. I want to. I make mistakes, though. I, I'm asking the Lord to continuously adjust me and continuously remind me of His ways, remind me of His, by His Spirit, that I can. Not looking at for your own, or not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. So we rather, are we looking to the interests of others? Are we looking to see what our actions have, effect they have on others, actually? Are we closing the gap? Are we widening the gap? When I go into a situation, am I coming humbly, going, how can I see unity come into the situation? How can I push these, how can I see a unified body come out of this? How can I closen their relationship? We've got to, I mean, we've even got to, we've got to work through these things in our own heart, right? It's that very type of love that we're to love with. The same love that Jesus loved us with. It's selfless love. It's selfless. But in our minds, that whole thing keeps on going. Self-protection, self-defense, self-indignation. And Paul says very clearly, he couldn't have been more clear when he said it. Do nothing from selfish ambition. And the next, the next verse, he says, and, and I love this because he takes it. We can easily read this and we can go, okay, no, that's how we meant to relate to God. But he goes, the very next verse, he goes, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So he's just explained to us what it looks like. Now he's saying in your relationships with one another, the same way Jesus reconciled us to the Father with the same love, that approach, that spirit, he says that's how you need to be together. That's how you need to be amongst each other. And he unpacks that. This was Jesus who being the very nature of God, Jesus was fully God, did not consider equality with God something to be to his own advantage. So he, he didn't grasp for it. He didn't do that. He laid it down. He came humbly. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Are we taking on that nature in our situations? Are we taking on that nature of a lowly servant, actually? How can I serve? And our serving is to see that gap closed. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Jesus is humble of spirit. Are we humble? Becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And this is a this unity, as Paul unpacks it, as he he, he urges us to imitate Christ in this, the humility of Christ. As we, are, as we find unity and he, put, and he draws us together in him. We've got to realize what a big deal this is to God. We've got to realize what a big deal unity is to God. Because he sent his only son to 
die on the cross for us that we can have unity together. And Jesus prayed a prayer in, in, in uh, John 17, verses 20 to 23. It's a pretty outrageous prayer. It's wild if you think about the, the depth of what he's saying here, actually. But he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's talking about us right now. Jesus, almost 2,000 years ago, when he, when he prayed this, he was talking about me and you right now, right here, sitting here. And he said, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as you and I are one. That's profound. But the very reflection and the very reflection of God's glory, the very glory of God is actually is, is unity, is oneness in us. It's reflected to the world. It says the world will know us by our love for one another. If we don't have love for one another, we're not, we're, there's no unity. It's, it's how the kingdom advances actually on this earth. It's the picture of, he, he, I've never actually read it like this. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. The glory that he gave Jesus is the ability to, to find unity with the Father. He's given us that glory. He's given us that ability to, to find unity amongst each other in him. But today, as I've realizing what a big deal this is for God, I, do we realize what a big deal it should be for us? And I want to give us an opportunity today. I want, to, I want to offer us an opportunity today to become an agent of unity. Because we can become agents of, we can be agent of disunity if we're saying to the flesh in division. Or we can become an agent of unity. I've always wanted to be a secret agent, right? <laughs> but I just, I, when I was preparing for this, I had that phrase drop into my spirit, into my heart. Agent of unity. God's called us, all of us, to be agents of unity, right? Who of you, seeing this and understanding the, 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 the weight of this, who wants to be an agent of unity? Amen. Who wants to see the gap closed between brothers and sisters in the household of God? Between, and in many different levels, this is on. This is between leadership, between in marriages even. And I believe God wants to bring a restoration and a healing in that, actually, in us. As we surrender different parts, different areas, when the Holy Spirit has put his finger on, as we surrender that to him, that he would bring healing to us. But the first question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we, are we in unity? And it's firstly, it's unity with God. And then it's unity with us, with my brothers and sisters. That's, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. If we want to be an agent of unity, we've got to ask ourselves, am I in unity with God? And I would say it begins, actually, salvation, yielding our knees or bowing our knee to Jesus, him coming into our lives, being the Lord of our life. So are you in unity with God? It's impossible, it's impossible to be in unity with one another if we're not in unity with God, actually, properly. The biblical version of unity. 
it's impossible. I was just thinking about it. I think there may even be some people here this morning that have got a, a long line, a track of broken relationships behind them. And maybe, maybe you're not a unity with God. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, actually. Maybe you've never come into his kingdom, surrendered your life to his ways. And if you do that, by his spirit, he is good and he's faithful. He will come and he will begin to restore and heal. I'm not saying it might happen instantly. It might take a while. But the principle of the kingdom coming in your life will begin to bring restoration in these things. But first, you have to bow your knee to that king and, trans- and, and allow yourself to be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Because he does that in an instant. He says, I am the way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you are here this morning, if you never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that later because we got to, you've got to stop right there. You can't even partake in what's to come. That's that's your way in. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. But for us, the rest of us, maybe, there's that, am I in unity with my brothers and sisters? Maybe you feel like you've been in a desert, like it's been quiet and it's been it's been rough. You've got to ask yourself, am I in unity, actually? I'm not saying it is the cause. might be. Israelites grumbled because there was disunity with Moses, actually, and the spies that came back from the land. Remember Joshua and Caleb? They came back. They gave a good report. The other ten gave a bad report. Disunity happened. Grumbling was a result of that. What happened to the Israelites? They were forced to... To hang out in the desert for 40 years as a result of disunity, actually. Grumbling. Maybe you feel like you're in a desert. Maybe you feel like there's more, but you just can't seem to break through. Maybe it's for you to ask yourself, am I in unity, actually? Am I doing everything I can to close the gap? And you know the amazing thing? Is we are now in a new covenant with Jesus. We can turn to him. And repent and times of refreshing will come. We don't have to hang out in that desert for 40 years. When we turn back to him and we repent, instant, he draws us straight back into his kingdom, into his presence. We don't have to struggle, actually. We don't have to have these things. How good and gracious is God? Because Jesus ultimately reconciled us to the Father. But it's how we respond to him in these moments. Are you with me? Are you with me? And I, I just I feel this morning that... Um, God does want to do something of a healing in us, right? Uh, I felt specifically, three areas I thought of were, um, maybe there's been, maybe there is disunity or offense even within marriages. Maybe there is is a gap that is between, that is widening within your marriage. Maybe it's in friendship circles. Maybe within this body, maybe not even within this body. Like, but you just, it's drifting. You not, it's, God wants to close that. Maybe it's between leadership. That often happens. It's great. I mean, it, most of the time in the Bible, it's actually, that's the, <laughs> that's the context it's in, actually. Because it's quite, a, that's a difficult relationship, right? Because it means giving up what, and I think that's why marriage is a difficult relationship as well. It's the same, it's the picture. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, lay down your life. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wife. Wives, submit to your husbands. 
husbands lay down your love. It's difficult. It's a hard saying. Same with leadership. That's just a small version of microcosm of leadership. So where are we? Where are we? Where are our hearts? So I do believe God wants to do something. An anointing and the blessing and the freedom and the salvation to those around you guys is going to flow through you. His grace is going to flow to you. It's going to flow through you. Powerfully. Not only in this context, but into your neighborhood, into your communities. You're going to see people saved and set free. You're going to see, I believe you're going to see miracles, actually. Because where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. 